Hello, welcome back to the 3 and D podcast. Uh, we're here for the third episode with special guests. Hope you all enjoyed episode two. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure to give it a listen. And uh, yeah, without further ado, we're super excited to have our first guest on the podcast here today, uh, Coach Justin Klingman. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Excited to be here. Yeah, Coach Klingman comes from a Division three background as you graduated from the University of Scranton in 2015 and is now our head assistant coach here at Catholic University. He's now responsible for our weight training program as well as coaching on the court. He's also responsible for beating Catholic University in the 2015 Landmark Championship to move on to the NCAA tournament. So we, we just wanted to, to start off with your playing career and um, learn a little bit more about you as far as on the court and how you were as a player. So if you just wanted us, if you just want to take us through your first four years at Scranton and how you were as a player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think the unique part of it is I was almost, a, you know, kind of recruited as as a walk on um, at Scranton. And I have like a personal relationship with um, Coach Danzig and, and his sons. I'm good friends with his oldest son, Ross, um, and played high school together with Ross. But um, Coach Danzig uh, in my senior year of high school basically was like, we love to have you on the team. I'm not sure like what your role is going to look like for a few years. Um, and, and honestly, I don't think he expected for me to, to kind of carve a, a bigger role out as a junior and a senior. So, um, you know, kind of entered that program as a walk on. And then by the time I got to junior year, started a bunch of games and then obviously was a, you know, instrumental piece and in, in having a very good um, team my senior year. So it was a, you know, interesting journey over the course of two years, um, but was just lucky enough to play not only on four really good teams, my freshman year, we went um, to the Elite Eight and won the conference. Um, junior and senior year won the conference as well. Um, I was fortunate to play with, you know, I think three or four first team all league players and all American and all region player, four or five guys that scored a thousand points in their career. So um, I had the easy job of kind of just spacing the floor, catch and shoot. Um, <laughs> But uh, but it was it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we played on teams that guys, you know, guys did it the right way. You know, we had um, a lot of competitive, a lot of competitive guys on, on our teams. Um, we enjoyed each other's company. So we had we had some fun socially and we all did well academically. So it was a good, you know, good balance and mix of, uh, of a little bit of everything. Yeah. So pre preparing for this podcast, we were we were looking at your stats for from your four years. So you go from averaging like two points as a sophomore to 11 as a junior. So, so like, how did you make that jump? Did that come from nowhere? Um, yeah. I mean, I think for me, I was, you know, kind of sounds cliche, but um, I was always more so like process-based. Um, so even, a, even as a freshman and a sophomore, like I was just trying to learn like how to kind of play a little bit faster, get a little bit stronger. So obviously catch up with the college game. Um, and just every summer really worked at it. So try and like get a little bit better in terms of my ability to like create offense and, and come off of ball screens and work on my ball handling and then spend a lot of time just getting tons of shots up. Um, and for me, it was a lot about like repetition, getting in the gym, getting on the gun. Um, so going into junior year, you know, I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the most athletic, and I 
was like, how can I kind of separate myself and, and potentially get myself on the floor? And for me, that was like, how well, how well can I shoot it from three? So mm-hmm. I spent that summer going into junior year, really just like getting in the gym and getting tons of shots up. Um, now I didn't go into junior year thinking like, okay, I'm going to shoot whatever it was, 56% and lead the conference. And at one point lead the country in three point shooting percentage. It just kind of happened. Um, and it was one of those things where I played with a, uh, five men who scored 2000 points and averaged like 20 a game, um, played with coach's son, Ross, who I think averaged as a junior, like 23 a game. So played with two guys that carried a, you know, a lot of the lifting offensively. So for me, it, it became a little easier because they would attract, <coughs> they would attract multiple, multiple bodies. Um, so I was, I was a recipient, of a lot of, you know, a lot of driving kick. Yeah, and I, I want to go back to what you mentioned about being sort of a walk-on at Scranton, and if you could just, like, sort of dive into that. And we can sort of, like, talk to our audience about how they might be different from a walk-on at the Division One level. And just because, like, you know, there's no full scholarships here, just what it might look like for a walk-on at the Division Three level. Yeah, I think the, the you know, biggest thing is um... – you're, you're always trying as a coach too, to manage and, and temper expectations. So um, coach Danzig knew when I was coming in, they already had a really good team and they were really deep at the guard position. So um, I think he obviously saw some potential in me, but he also realized that there were a lot of guys in front of me. So um, I knew that going in and knew like, maybe I wasn't going to play for a year or two, um, which didn't necessarily bother me. Now, uh, you know, some of that too, just had to do with, you know, rosters are bigger in Division Three, So you can't guarantee everyone, uh, you know, you're going to play 25 minutes a game and you're going to get a ton of shots. So um, I knew what I was walking into. Now I also worked really hard at it for a few years. So, um, you know, it was, it was a right, it was the right combination of a few guys graduated by the time I became a junior. Um, there was a little bit more opportunity for me and I ended up, you know, playing well when I had to. So, um, you know, I kind of lucked out, um, but at the Division three level, you really don't know. Like, you can recruit some guys that are high, you know, quote unquote, higher priority recruits that you know maybe just for whatever reason don't pan out, and then you recruit guys in a in a fashion that's a little bit different that you know may not guarantee them a ton of playing time early, and those guys tend to have you know maybe great careers. So you just sometimes don't know how it's going to shake out at the Division three level. Yeah, yeah. Something something my dad always said as like. Um, his as a, like a Division three player looking back at, at his career is he always said he didn't play like his first two years either. Like he barely got on the court. And um, by the time he was a junior and senior, like he was able to like he ended up being like the backup point guard and like play play some meaningful minutes. I mean, he never scored a ton, but just a solid backup. But he always said, the key was just keep getting better every year. Like that's how, that's how you're gonna keep keep with it and um, maybe find your way on the court even if you didn't necessarily expect to coming in. Yeah, for sure. And and I think the other important part to to mention is as a freshman and a sophomore, you know, if you're in a good program, you're playing against juniors and seniors mm-hmm. that are all league caliber players. So. For me, I, I was playing against um, all region, all conference caliber guards for two years. And I think that also, um, you know, sped up my development as a player. So 
when you're playing high level guys every day in practice, you're just naturally going to get better. Yeah. And, and for me, that that happened, that progression happened. Um, and then I was, you know, I was able to do that, hopefully for some of the guys that were below me as the time I aged into junior, senior year. So um, and, and that's how typically the progression goes. You come in as a freshman. It takes a little bit, you know, a little bit of time, a little bit more work to get on the floor. But um, but if you're, you're doing things the right way, you're working hard, I think at some point, um, you know, if you, if you get an opportunity and, and run with it, you know, you can you can uh, carve a roll out. Yeah, for sure. One more thing to add to that sort of walk on for Division three is just that, like, for our recruiting audience out there, guys looking to play college basketball, like, if you don't get recruited anywhere, like, and say you go to a smaller school, it's just like Division one, like, you can still reach out to the coach, try and go to pick up or try and try out for the team, and, like, you can still earn a spot, just like, literally our friend Owen just earned a spot on our team. And like, now it's like, all right, I'm on the team. Now he can start working from, I'm a walk on to maybe can I earn minutes? Can I get on the floor? Like there's definitely a chance. So like, if you don't get recruited anywhere, it's not necessarily like your basketball career is over. Yeah. 100%. And I think it was Spencer Dinwiddie, like a few weeks mm -hmm. ago, talked about his recruiting process in college and he ended up choosing a place that like really wanted him. Mm -hmm. And I think too, whether you're walking or whether you're being recruited is finding a place that really wants you and knows how they're going to use you and develop you. And then mixed in with like, is there opportunity there? And yeah. I think those are really important aspects of the recruiting process. And, and sometimes it's not just about, you know, your talent level, it's a little bit about who else is on that roster. How are those skill sets match with yours? Um, so, it's uh, the recruiting process in Division Three. It, it's um, it's wild, and, and sometimes you luck out. Others, you know, it, it doesn't go so well. But um, I do think if you if you pick a school and you pick a coaching staff that you know believes in you and has a plan for you, that makes a that makes a world of difference. Yeah, now moving into a little bit more on the coaching side, you've been removed from from playing the game. For, for a few years now. So like looking back on your career, what would be one thing that, that you wish you knew when you were a player? Yeah, uh, good question. I, you know, I'd like to think I don't, um, don't regret a ton. Um, now everyone makes mistakes. So. Yeah. But uh, I would say to, you know, I think two things. The first is developing a switch, which I would, would like to think I did, but develop a, um, a work ethic that is not only going to translate into hopefully athletics, but those are all habits and, and a good work ethic is something that's going to be valuable when you graduate. So um, for me, I think, you know, I, I really tried to work on my game a lot. I probably could have been a little bit more intentional about like what I was working on and and working on specific skills rather than like you see videos on you know youtube instagram and like oh this looks like it it'll help when in reality mm -hmm. trying to make your workouts a little more applicable to like what you're going to do in a game um the other thing which I, I was lucky to be a part of of a group and and several teams at scranton that really got along and and had um you know a good connection among everyone and we, and we had a lot of fun and I think that's an important piece of like division three and, and college athletics is trying to find a group of guys that you're going to be friends with for, you know, quote unquote, the rest of your life. Um, and I think that's really important to, to try and continue to like build relationships um, 
and and hold each other accountable and, and be vulnerable. But um, a lot of the guys that you meet and that you spend a lot of time with in college are going to end up being your best friend. So it, it's really important now looking back to like continue to develop and, and build on those relationships. Yeah. And I like the point you made a lot about how like one of the reasons your team at Scranton were so successful was just because of like your bond as a team and like for like all the kids looking to get recruited out there, I would say like one thing that's super controllable that can help you get recruited is is just being coachable Mm -hmm. and just being a good teammate. Like the more coachable you are, the better teammate you are. Like coaches look at that, whether it's at an AU game on film or even at a high school game, like that stuff matters to coaches a lot. And it's like one way to take yourself out of the recruiting game easily is just being a bad teammate. And like being someone that coaches can't trust. Yeah, you were talking about it before to, earlier in the weight room. How um, recruiting bad people like it always ends up stabbing you yeah, in the back I mean, somehow. Yeah, for but sure. um, yeah, just being just being likable, which everyone can't control, but but doing your best to get along with people and just being selfless and like giving yourself up for the team, like that goes that goes a longer way than I think people necessarily necessarily would would give it credit for yeah yeah 100 i mean i i think too it's um you know you, you want to have your individual goals and aspirations but you also need to be willing to to at times put those to the side if um those get in the way of you know your collective mm-hmm. efforts and, and your team goals and being able to balance that is hard at times but i think if you can find guys that you know genuinely care about each other and and, and achieving team goals first and just doing what is best for the team is is super important. Um, so, you know, for us, like in our recruiting process, we look a ton at guys' character um, and and how they're going to mesh with with the team because that's the beauty of sports. It's if the best and most talented players and teams won night in and night out, there it wouldn't be entertaining. But um, you have that whole other aspect, which is like team cohesion and and how guys fit and how guys can build each other up and all of that stuff really matters over the course of a season. Yeah. I think you see it at like a division one level is like a perfect example. Recently you started to see with like Baylor and like the Villanova's just taking over like the Dukes and Kentucky's who are like loaded with five stars, but they just don't have that team chemistry or cohesion that like the teams with guys staying four years or guys who are like really committed to the teams have. Yep. And it's definitely yep. sh- like really showed. Yeah. It makes a difference. It yeah. makes a big difference. Uh, uh, yeah, so we want to keep talking about the coaching, your coaching experience. Uh, just want to ask about your first coaching job at Ursinus College and sort of how that was and how it led to you getting the job here at Catholic University. Yeah, um, so the, the backstory there, so I, I kind of always knew I wanted to get into coaching. Um, both my parents, you know, coached it at the high school and college levels for She's probably over 25 years. Um, so it was one of those things I knew I wanted to get into coaching. Um, and when I graduated from Scranton in 2015, I worked at a uh, leadership development um, program in the summer called Sports Challenge. And I didn't know this at the time, but the co-founder, one of the co-founders of that program was the head coach of Sinus. So he ended up see, seeing me there coaching a little bit and um, you know, we, we met and, and we talked briefly and he had a opening on his staff. Um, and then when I got hired, 
I also didn't realize that his first recruit when he was, you know, probably 22, 23 in the coaching world was my brother-in-law. So um, it was like a very small world. Um, And, um, you know, my first four years at Ursinus were were great. I learned a ton, you know, and and got kind of thrown into it right away. Um, And I know, Justin, you played for uh, Keith Hack, who was the assistant there at the time. Keith, obviously showed me, um, you know, what it took to, to be an assistant in terms of like to get out on the road and recruit and, and how to do that the right way and um, build relationships with students and families. And then also the whole other piece of that is obviously like being able to do a scouting report, um, coaching guys on the floor, player development, like all that stuff. I, I really learned a great deal from, you know, Coach Small and, and Coach Hack. So um, it was a, it was a fun four years. We had some pretty good teams. Um, and it was also fun to be in the Centennial Conference where you're playing two or three teams typically a year that are in the top 25. So um, all around, all around a great kind of great four years, a great learning experience. Um, and then honestly, it was one of those things where in the coaching world, like you're you're always trying to continue to look and climb that, look for jobs and climb the ladder, so to speak. Um, and for me, it was, uh, you know, I spent four years at Ursinus and was looking for a new experience, new perspective. And um, Coach Small was trying to help me um, in that process. So when the Catholic job opened up, um, it was something that I was interested in. One, because I know the league. Two, I know Catholics have historically been a very good program. And three, honestly, like DC is a great city. Yeah, so um, it, it made sense. And um, at the time, I didn't know necessarily who was going to get hired. You know, Coach Aaron Kelly, Coach, got hired. And um, just briefly looking him up, I was like, this is somebody that would be good to align yourself with, not only um, because he's has, you know, had a good track record, was a successful, uh, you know, assistant at Bucknell and then at George Mason. But he also in the culture world, it's important to, to be able to have a network of people. And um, so for me, I, I just tried to, you know, reach out to him and um, coach small introduced us and ended up coming down and we we sat down probably for an hour or two and as if um i felt as if like we knew each other for 10 years and i didn't know him prior to of you know our first conversation so it went really well um and you know now i'm going on going on year three so it's uh you know coaching a lot of it is just right time right place um sometimes you get in front of people that you don't know and you know it's the, the coaching world is such a small world where just one connection and, and one right person can can help you can help you get a job. So um, it, it happened it happened fast, but obviously happy uh, happy and excited to to be here. Yeah, we're obviously very very fortunate to have you here at Catholic for for our players' sake and also Coach Kelly. I'm sure he's pretty grateful for you. But how would you compare like your role here at Catholic to what it was? at Ursinus, your first job? Yeah, definitely more responsibility here. Um, at Ursinus, I was, it's my first year was right out of college. So, so you're, you know, for me, it was like trying to just learn how to be a coach. Um, and then Keith Hack did most of the like heavy lifting with recruiting, scouting, um, player development. We're here now. I do most of the heavy lifting. So, um, and you, even year one here was like, you know, obviously every day you're, you're still learning how to do a better job in, in kind of every area of the job. But um, Coach Kelly has given me a ton of responsibility and trust that um, that I'm going to be detailed in my work and do a good job. So 
you know, obviously for, you know, can't thank him enough for that, but, um, but it also helps just like it's in any job, the more you do it, the, the better you get at it. And for me now going and it's crazy to think about year seven of coaching, um, you know, you, you, you just figure out how to do things a little bit better, a little more effectively. Um, so it, uh, it's been great. And, and obviously I love, you know, having a lot of responsibility and especially like recruiting and, and scouting. It's, um, it's, it's a fun, fun part of the job. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then one more question about coaching, just maybe like how it has differed, obviously from being a player, but just like some of the things you've noticed that like really are really different from being a player at the D3 level. Yeah. I think the one, the one biggest thing is you, you kind of just look at the game differently. Um, you know, once you, you kind of graduate from being a player into a coach and, you know, as a coach, you're, there's so many more things that you're, you're concerned about. Um, whereas a player, most of the time you're worried about like, am I performing well? Um, am I being a good teammate? How am I helping the team? Whereas a coach, you, you're managing essentially however many guys in your team, 18, 20 guys, um, and, and then trying to figure out how to put those pieces together. Um, and then also once you get into games, you're scouting opponents, and, and as a player, you're not really getting into depth about like scouting a ton. Yeah. Um, usually that's coming from the coaching staff. So, mm -hmm. um, and then, and then the other big piece is, you know, when you're on the sidelines, you have to be a little bit more even keeled and, yeah. and watch the game and, and kind of evaluate and see what's happening as the course of the game, you know, goes on. Whereas a player, you, you know, you, emotions are high and you can get, you know, ups and downs of emotions, whereas a coach, you need to be a little bit more leveled, um, you know, level thinking where like if, you know, your final minute of the game and you call a timeout, you got to be be able to like make a, a split decision um, and off of what's happened over the course of the game. So as a player, I would like to think I got like riled up a little bit every now and then, whereas a coach, it's, it's probably a little less. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's nice to be now on the sidelines and, and look at it from a from a different perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So the last thing we wanted to cover is we we said it a little bit before is is your weight training background and and all of that. So the question is, where did that interest originally come from? And like, what were the steps to becoming officially certified in strength and conditioning? Yeah, uh, some of my friends laugh because I wasn't like a huge lifter in college. Um, and now I you know, find myself running our strength and conditioning program, but um, it is, it's such an important piece, especially now in, in sports and, and, you know, division three basketball. Um, but like most division three coaches can attest to, especially assistants, you, you usually have to find another job or two to, to supplement your, uh, your lack of income when, when you're coaching. So for me, when I was at her sinus, I was lucky enough to get linked up with a, uh, with a guy who ran, his name is Jeff Boyd, who ran his own gym in, in Collegeville, um, Athletes Arbor. So I worked there for, for three years and learned a ton just about lifting, types of lifts, um, different types of change of direction, agility, workouts, and things of that nature. Um, and for me, it was, it was great because it was all stuff that I could, you know, use with, you know, you guys. So, um, it was one of those things I was just looking for extra work and figured oh, maybe I could, you know, benefit from this. And 
Um, I, I definitely have. And, um, and the other thing too, is the strength and conditioning coaches that were sinus or two at the time when I was there did a fantastic job with those guys. And, and I've communicated with them a bunch over the past few years, just about the types of, you know, how they're programming and putting their programs together. And, um, and, and they've done a tremendous job there. So they, they've also helped me kind of learn a little bit more about what it takes to, to get guys to be a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, a little more athletic. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's fun to see somebody's, you know, progression from freshman to, to junior and senior year. And, it, and, um, you know, it instills a, a certain level of confidence too. When, when, you know, guys are putting time in the weight room, they're getting stronger. Um, usually you get to see and, and reap those benefits on the court. Yeah, I can definitely tell just from like a couple months here how like how much we've reaped the benefits of like actually like properly taking care of your body, whether it's just like the dynamic warm up we do before practice or just like the stretching after and then the like weekly lifts, like your body just feels a lot better, a lot fresher, and you're sort of able to perform to like your maximum potential. And I think it's just like you really get to notice how important it is to take care of your body. Yep. And how much that can like help you as a player yeah yeah it's such a long season and typically if you're a little bit stronger and you're taking care of your body that's going to bode well for you over a five-month season so um obviously we want we want guys to get a little bit stronger a little bit more athletic but you guys know like over the course of this season it's more important to to try and keep you guys healthy yeah um, yeah i'd say in high school i i never Obviously, it was important, and and our our high school program definitely put an emphasis on on our strength training. But I never really thought it would it would really like move the needle that much in and on the court. But obviously, coming here as a little bit smaller player, I can definitely uh, speak to the importance of it. And I'm I'm hoping for that that progression you talk about over the next <laughs> months or or years. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, and everyone's body's different. So some yeah. guys just kind of turn a corner as a sophomore. Other guys, maybe it's freshman year. But um, it, it, if you put time in in the weight room and you're you're eating and you you know eating the right stuff and you're stretching, you're taking care of your body. You're you're eventually going to see those results. Um, you know, sometimes it just takes a little longer for others. But um, but like you said, it it does directly correlate with your performance on the court. Um, if you can, you know, wall somebody up defensively and not let guys get to spots, it helps you, it helps you become a little bit of a better defender. And, you know, offensively, it's like, you're, you're a little bit stronger. You can keep guys in your hip when you're coming off of ball screens and things like that. So, um, it, it definitely helps, you know, it helps, um, kind of max your, max your basketball game out. Yeah, I think that, I think that does it for us, uh, for this episode. Thank you for coming on. Obviously it was great having you here. Hope you guys all enjoyed it. Better see you back for episode four. Yeah, Thanks, guys. Thank you, coach. <laughs>